the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track, S P O T R A C, and get 40% off that first year subscription. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy, happy Sunday. Another Mets win. The happy Mike Gennetti. Winding down here. Last 50 days or so of the Major League Baseball regular season. Kind of know the players. A couple of wild card positions still up for grabs. One of them being the Baltimore Orioles, by the way, who darn near got perfect gamed by the Tampa Bay Rays. So still some drama, but for the most part, the, the big dogs in the National League and the American League have established themselves, and it's kind of uh, a race to the finish now for positioning. But getting close in Major League Baseball, we'll certainly be dialing back into that shortly. Option decisions, free agents, all that good stuff. Extension candidates, projected contracts for those big free agents, things like that. Another football show and uh, another money tiers segment. I've posted the running backs money tiers for 2022. Again, about 50 players that I broke down. Full analysis on their contract status, organized into tiers. I'm going to run through those tiers here today and some of the more notable names. As you might imagine, this is going to sound and look and feel a little bit different than the quarterbacks and the wide receivers because running back contracts are crap. And I hate saying it, but I have to say it, and we'll talk about it a lot more. I'm going to open here with Fernando Tatis Jr., speaking of crap. (laughs) Um, 80 games for PEDs. Have to imagine ringworm wasn't a factor, but I guess good on him for trying. Certainly didn't help his cause. And by the way, his GM and his teammates also didn't help his cause because they are not happy. This is clearly a personality situation. Um, This is not exhibit A. This might be exhibit D or E with him in his early career. And he's going to have to get in order because there's going to be some serious contention if the next $280 million or so is this bumpy of a ride because they are all in. We've talked about this on this show before. The Padres have acquired 90% of this roster via trade. They're not waiting for draft picks to develop. They are not looking for international players to groom up from, you know, a shortstop into a left fielder. They want position ready, experienced players right now on this roster. And if they screw one up, they're going to trade him, send a prospect with that player and get another one. They've been doing that for the better part of three years now. And Tatis was supposed to be that single centerpiece that was somewhat internal, even though they acquired him for the White Sox. And you build around this guy because this guy's not only marketable, but he's great and he plays shortstop and everything about him was just the perfect cornerstone piece. And now he's immature. And look, he's young. And yeah, you got him under contract and it's a lot of money, but you got time to fix this too. So I I think he got a warning shot from a lot of people, but let's talk about the money real quick. Obviously he's he's popped 80 games. So what does that mean now or immediately? What it means is he's on the restricted list. He's on the suspension list. He was already on the 60-man um, IL for that injury from the biking accident, which <laughs> exhibit B. Um, but he was about coming back from that. He had done all his rehab starts. He was taking full BP. He was ready. He was ready to come back from that. And then this came down. So um, we don't really know when this happened or when this came about, but they didn't make it official until he was ready to be activated. That's just kind of the policy of Major League Baseball because they didn't want him to spend time on the IL and serve the suspension. They wanted to make sure he was active, activated, and then had to be put back on a restricted list. Just how they were, how it worked. 
not time served. It's got to be time to be served. There's 48 games left at the time of his suspension. So that's about $1.3 million of this salary. He's got a $5 million salary this year. He's got a $7 million salary next year. Basically, this was our one, our two for him. So that's why those salary. This isn't a Deshaun Watson situation where they backloaded the contract. All baseball contracts look like this if they're signed early enough. You buy out arbitration, then you get to the free agent years, and you start to ramp up those salaries. So they got a good deal on this, and they're going to get an even better deal, but he's not going to be playing. So you, you subtract about $1.3 this million this year. You subtract about $1.2 million next year. And that's going to be a sliding scale based on the postseason. Because if he misses games this year into the postseason, which is perfectly plausible, some of that gets subtracted from the regular season next year. So wiggle room, you know, asterisk in terms of what he's, he's going to miss next year. But, you know, a lot of people have asked about the CBT and how the tax payroll is affected because of this. So I'll do a quick breakdown, as nerdy as it may be. So 1.3 million lost is X percentage of $5 million salary. Whatever that percentage is, and I'm not using the numbers because I want you to understand the formula more than the numbers. Whatever the number is, the percentage of, of money lost versus the overall salary, that's what you nick down the, the AAV, the tax salary. So it's significant savings for San Diego right now. It went from 24 and change to 16 and change because it's percentage points, not dollars. You know, 1.3 million saved, fine, it helps. Sneak a couple of uh, minimum guys in and go from there. But, but 8 million saved is big. And that's, that's how this worked. It's a sliding percentage. So I don't like that. I don't think the team should be rewarded. Um, I really want this to be contested. I want suspensions to be way stricter. We've talked about this quite a bit. Cousin Dan and I have gone back and forth with some of these ideas. Um, look, he's not postseason eligible, so that's one. He's not Hall of Fame likely now. Blah, blah, right? I mean, these guys just care so little about that stuff now uh, in terms of the Hall of Fame. But why is the team being benefited from this? And you can say, look, the, the player did this on his own. The team shouldn't have to suffer for this. There's 25 other guys in this roster right now, 35, 40, when you talk about the injured guys, that shouldn't have to suffer for this one guy making a stupid personal decision. That's, I, I, I totally agree with that. But when you think about it in terms of these kind of savings, now look, they can't go and acquire somebody. So it's not like they can fill, their, fill the $8 million up with Juan Soto's contract. You know, they just happen to do that without knowing this was coming. But I still don't think this process works because what if this was the beginning of the year? And by the way, it will be next year. They're going to have an AAV you know, savings based on the percentage of the $7 million salary that's lost next year. And again, that's the sliding scale based on games that finish up playing this year. But there's going to be a decent amount saved next year, which will allow them to go and add a first baseman when Josh Bell hits free agency or a right fielder when Will Myers hits free agency, et cetera, et cetera. I don't love that. I don't love that because now you've got a team benefiting from somebody's stupid error, somebody's illegal error. So, you know, this is always the negative side of this to me is when you dive into the numbers part of it, everybody should suffer from this. And yes, the Padres are suffering by not having Fernando Tatis Jr. play shortstop for them. No arguments there. But they can go and get a guy. It's kind of like your fantasy league, right? How many IR spots do you get opened up? Do you have any IR spots? Have you ever played a fantasy league where you don't get an IR spot and you simply have to deal with it? 
and add somebody else and cut your backup quarterback, whatever it's going to be. I've played many of these leagues and they're frustrating as hell. And I want teams to suffer more. It, to me, it's not enough that player A can't be here, but we get some cap, some cash savings and some cap savings so we can go get a guy to fill him. And maybe he's 85, 80% of what Tatis Jr. would have been on the field. Great. We can kind of go about our business. No, no, I think it should hurt more than that. In other words, what I'm saying is I think there should be accountability from the team. You should be moderating this crap, especially your $340 $40 million crap, right? This should be, you don't do anything. You don't take anything. You don't even walk into a pharmacy unless A, we know about it, or B, our guys with you or our girls with you. That's how these commodities should be treated. And great, freedom, whatever the hell you want to talk about. No way. <laughs> no way. This guy wants to pop a Tylenol at 2 a.m. because he's got a headache. The Padres should know about it. And I realize how restricted I'm sounding right now. But I think teams should be way more accountable for their players, especially to this, to this magnitude. And I can't stand it. You know, you can bring the Deshaun Watson stuff into this if you want. The Deshaun Watson stuff is similar, but not really. They knew this was coming. They put themselves in this spot. I can't. The, the Browns are digging their own grave, in my opinion. And we, I've talked about the money and how it should go off the AAV and not the yearly salary, and that would fix all these people screaming about his $1 million minimum. But that's a lot. And that's a lot. That's $15 million lost versus one, you know, 500000 lost. There's no way the NFL PA would agree to that. But guess what? The hockey PA did. Now, you can tell me that they don't make $50 million, they make $10. you are right. That's right. So a little easier to swallow, but not really when they're not making as much in the grand scheme of things. The, the baseball PED stuff is just stupid at this point. It's been 25 years. It's been the majority of my life. It's been the best and the worst part of baseball. Uh, let's admit it. You know, the 98, 99, 2000s, that was freaking amazing. And then it got not amazing. Then it got kind of boring because everybody was doing it. Brady Anderson, Fernando Tatis Sr., by the way who magically hit 30-plus home runs one year in 1999. Asterisk. So <laughs> I just think instead of just slapping them on the wrist and saying, all right, 80 games. And by the way, good on baseball for making it 80 and not 25 and 50. They had, they had some rules in place. They didn't go light on their superstar here. They could have. Um, but I do think the team has to get more of a net. Do I want the teams to be crippled because of this? No. So the fact that they get $8 million to work with in tax or $6 million next year, whatever it's going to be in tax, fine. Go find a backup shortstop or a third baseman and move Manny Machado over. Fine. But it sure hurt, hurt, should hurt a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. It's a, it's a close formula. I like that they've increased the games lost, which has, of course, increased the money lost. But let me put it this way. There are certainly teams that could manipulate this. I don't believe it's the Padres. They're all in on winning right now. But there are certainly teams that could take advantage of this. And whenever that's possible, it should, it should be wrong. They should fix it. Fix the loophole before somebody utilizes the, the loophole. Because if this was the NFL, oh, there's a couple of teams that would have done this already. <laughs> and you know who I'm thinking about. I'm not going to say it out loud. All right, let's talk football. The 2022 money tiers for running backs. I've been holding this one off because I knew how negative it was going to be. I didn't want to have to talk negative. I like speaking positively about sports. My Mets are winning. My Bills are projected to win. They look pretty good. Even their third stringers out there a couple of days ago. But the running back contracts are 
demoralizing. You know, if I had a dozen or 20 quarterbacks slash wide receivers that were just solid locked in with their contracts, I have six running backs for you. Six. And three of those are first-round rookies. Still on their rookie contract. Which means I have three veteran contracts that have more than one year of guaranteed security. Three. Leonard Fournette, James Conner, and Nick Chubb. And all three of them have guarantees through next year, and that's it. There's not a single running back in all of football that has a guaranteed dollar in 2024 right now. Not one. Not McCaffrey. Not Elliott. Not Chubb. Nobody. Outside of Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Brees Hall. Okay? That's it. And those guys are rookie contracts, and we're talking one to two million. Not eight to twelve to fifteen. So yes, you know, drafting a first round running back is risky. Some teams are still doing it. There's still some weapons out there worth it. I've noted some stats and breakdowns and rankings with all these players. I've got about fifty here, but six of them will be in that same contract in 2023, and three of them are rookies. It's just bad. It's gone from bad to worse to worse to worse to worse. And that's where we are right now. And I, and I can't say I blame anybody. You know, when you get down to the Damian Harris portion of this piece, and it is live on spytrack.com right now, by the way, Damian Harris has great stats, but he's got five other running backs around him. They've drafted two. They drafted one last year, one, th- one this year, and one two years ago <laughs> to go with Damian Harris, who is now on an expiring contract. And I think he's a great player. And I think there's not a chance in hell that they sign him for anything more than $4 million a year, which has kind of been their going rate for the James Wright, the Rex Burkheads, and, right, and the Sony Michels, possibly. It's either going to be take this contract, which is crazy below your, your value, probably half, right? If eight's the second tier right now, 12 is like the, the 1A, and then 15 and 16 are the ones. Eight's probably where the above average running back should be. Well, the Patriots aren't offering more than five. It's under five. Four is probably right. And if Harris doesn't take it, he's going to walk because Ramondi Stevenson and all these new guys that they've drafted who are quickly getting the reps because they do an RBBC more than anybody are just going to be there and they're going to continue to do this. I mean, if they have a gap year, if, they, like, if Stevenson has a great year like Harris had two years ago, they'll skip a draft and they won't take one this year. But maybe there's a UDFA that comes out of the weeds. It's just, it's possible to get one of these guys from everywhere. One of these guys that can give you 200 rushes instead of 500 rushes. So who are the guys that can still give you 500 rushes? Derrick Henry. Okay, Jonathan Taylor. I think Tony Pollard's going to be in this conversation. I actually think DeAndre Swift can be in this conversation. And by the way, he's going to catch 75 balls at some point in this journey. So my second tier here is who can get, who might get a contract next year? Let's not even talk about the size or, and I did, I put my, I put our market values and all that in here. But who at least can get the contract, is good enough, is on the right team, is worthy at least because of the situation and the stats. I've got six of those two. So that's, that was comforting to me that, all right, I've got six that are, that are rock solid for next year in their contract. And I got six more I think are coming. And by the way, one of those is Derrick Henry. Because if Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry this year, like he was last year in just eight games, if he can do it for 17 this year, even 15 or 16, I realize he's 28. It's all bets off with this guy. He's got a $15 million cap hit next year in a final year. 
they may be going cheap with the run with the quarterback situation. It might be Ryan Tannehill out the door next year for Tennessee, which to me means even more. We better keep our running game around. They're going to restructure that into like a one-year extension or a two-year extension to lower that cap at next year. So he's in the conversation. You know, we got a lot of young guys here. I got Taylor, I got Dylan, I got Swift, I got Pollard, and then I got 28-year-old Derrick Henry. And by the way, he's the oldest player on this list. There's a couple of 27-year-olds, which we know is that kind of benchmark. He's the only 28-year-old. And he's in the extension category. So that's a positive spin on this. On this. He's a freak. He's, he always has been, and he remains it right now. In eight games played last year, outside of that foot injury, he averaged 136 yards from scrimmage. 27-year-old Derrick Henry. So there's really nothing to say here. No, he's not going to catch the ball. Go, go find a UDFA that can do that out of the backfield. And compliment him. And I believe Tennessee actually did that here. So I, I got a lot of faith in that situation. And, and there's a couple more teams. And the Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott stuff, I know we, we feel like we have to talk about it because it's the Cowboys and that's the clickbait. It, Tony Pollard's real. He is, he is legitimately being held back by Zeke Elliott's contract. Legitimately. He should be 30% more productive than he is right now because he's simply not being allowed to be from a roster and contract standpoint. Well, that's going to end. Zeke Elliott's out is after 2022. They can get out of that deal before the guarantees kick in next year. All the early stuff is gone. This is the out. And there's a ton left on this contract. So, you know, it's the ultimate Jerry Jones deal. There's five years, 65.3 million left on this contract. And I think it's all gone after this year. All. And they're just going to walk away from it because of Tony Pollard and because of the high cap hits to Zeke. So, there's a few of that. I think the same thing happens with Aaron Jones versus AJ Dillon, as I mentioned. Aaron Jones has three years, 33 million left. That was a one-year contract when he signed it. That's what the Packers do. They don't go future salary unless you're Aaron Rodgers. They don't do it. So, you know, are they going to sign AJ Dillon? Probably not. He's on the extension list, but they didn't sign Aaron Jones until the literally the last minute. They let him finish out his rookie contract. They didn't give him a franchise tag, and about an hour and a half before free agency started, they extended into a four-year contract. That was actually a one-year deal. That's just the Packers. They're not going to change. So A.J. Dillon may be in line for an extension after this year and may be ready, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, why would they change course? They're going to let that rookie contract ride out. They're going to see what their options are, see where Aaron Rodgers is at his point in his career, and go from there. That's another thing, by the way. How many of these guys just simply aren't getting the early contract? All of them? Is anybody getting the early contract? Maybe Jonathan Taylor, right? Maybe. Maybe DeAndre Swift because of the situation with the Lions, which is similar to, you know, Tannehill and Goff. So maybe DeAndre Swift will be eligible after this year along with Jonathan Taylor. It's hard for me to imagine Taylor doesn't get the, the extension. He's just been that good. The Matt Ryan one offense now shouldn't nick Jonathan Taylor's production one iota. And, you know, he's already valuing to that $16.5 million deal. He's already projecting to four years, $65 million. So if he just holds four, it's going to be there. Will they do it early? I don't know. They've been good with that. They're weird with Quentin Nelson right now. They're weird with Kenny Moore right now. They may be backing off their, their spending and their thriftiness. But I don't know how you do it with this guy. Unless you simply just say, he's a running back. That's how we do. Everybody else is, is waiting, no matter how good they are. So we're just going to wait too. Because if we don't wait, 
we're the outliers. We're the Rams with Todd Gurley, you know? And I, I get that. I, I, I 100% get that. They simply don't have to do it. So, and by the way, Jonathan Taylor was not selected in the first round. He was the number 41 pick overall, which means that fifth-year option is not there. So you've got all of this year. You'd have all of next year, and then you'd be walking into free agency or a franchise tag. But that franchise tag is going to be there for him. It's a bad situation for good running backs. It's a bad situation. You know, he may make the $7.8 million, a little bit of a bump in next year with a performance bonus. So let's say, let's say it's a cool $8 million. And then what? A franchise tag to double it? Yeah. Or do they go $16.5 million a year for three years in terms of guarantee? Do you see how, how different it is? That's how different the money can be. Sixteen and a half million for three years would be more than, I don't know, five teams would spend on any on all of their running backs in one year, all of them. Because you've got teams, you know, you got your Zeke's and your Christian McCaffrey contracts, and then you've got teams. Let's go back to those Patriots. They have five rostered running backs right now that cost four point seven million of combined average salary. The Bears have five at four point eight. Almost half the league. And by the way, we don't even have cutdowns yet. This is still the 90-man roster. Almost half the league is operating with all of their running backs at a combined average salary of less than $10 million. Almost half the league. And three-quarters of the league are under $15 million. That means Zeke at 15, McCaffrey at 16, they single-handedly cost more on average than 75% of football. Okay, that, I mean, that's, that's where we are with this position. Yeah, and look, there's an argument to make that McCaffrey is better than 85% of the running backs in the world. I get it. Jonathan Taylor might be that. But Jonathan Taylor doesn't catch balls. He's Derrick Henry. He's Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's amazing. Derrick Henry doesn't catch balls. Not being asked to do that. So then how do you keep these guys, how do you keep this position growing financially if you're demanding the players to do everything, which then also increases their injury risk, which also adds more mileage, right? Because if you got 350 carries, but also 100, you know, 100 pass attempts, you're just adding miles, and all this stuff is analytically driven, and there's health you know, reports and all this crap that goes against the player as their career progresses. How do you get to that fifth year or that fourth year and you look at a player and the mileage and the usage and the injuries, right? Most of these guys hit the IR at least once or twice in that first four years. So that's a ding. That's a red flag. How do you get there and say, oh, I got no problem giving this guy 13? It's just becoming rarer and rarer. Kamara's there. He's got legal issues. Delvin Cook's there. He's got legal issues. That's another thing. Obviously, that's not a trend. It just happens to be where we are. McCaffrey can't stay healthy. Zeke never lived up to that deal. Never. Kamara and Cook have their own issues, injuries slash legal issues. Joe Mixon's been a beast. I mean, he might, he might be the best value running back on a major contract in all of football right now, and that shouldn't uh, affect his situation this year as, as well. But, oh, by the way, legal issues coming into, into the NFL. Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's the best version of Derrick Henry that we have. Those two are attached to the hip. And Jonathan Taylor's probably going to join that club soon. 
All right. But if you, the more you scroll down this piece, and again, it's the 2022 Money Tears Running Backs piece, this, the third installment of the series I've been doing this offseason, the more you scroll down, when you get to the one and dones, it's all guys you want on your fantasy team, by the way. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery is a one and done for whatever reason. And I mentioned it in, in the analysis. The Bears either don't want to sign the running back right now, or he doesn't want to sign with the Bears right now. So that's either going to be a franchise tag, as I noted, or adios. Adios. Josh Jacobs got the fifth year declined. He's, a, he's in adios mode. I mentioned Harris, Miles Sanders, Rashad Penny. These are RB1s. Might have great years. Might walk into free agency. That, that's a big list. The problem is, you'd say, all right, well, they can go and sign with anybody. You're right, except for Sony Michelle, Daryl Williams, all these guys that had major roles deep into the postseason, by the way. They got about $1.9 million, $2 million on a one-year contract. You know, Rashad Penny maybe had the best one-year offseason. He got about $6 million from Seattle because, A, they, they were rewarding his work last year. He finally broke out, so there's, there's potential there. And they knew the Chris Carson situation. They knew they were about to to deal with the retirement with, with Carson's neck in. So they were immediately filling their void with a guy who knew the offense. They wanted to bring him back. But, but they also drafted Kenneth Walker Jr. So Rashad Penny's going to get $6 million this year, and then he's probably going to go away because the rookie's going to be there with tons of value for three or four years. It's, I can't say it enough. It's so easy to fit the puzzle in and knock these guys out of position. And I hate to see it but it's, it's truly a revolving door now. It's why the Kareem Hunt situation is what it is. I mentioned it last show. Guy's making over $6 million on a one-year contract. Yes, his contract's expiring. Yes, he's 27, hitting 28. That's, we know, the threshold. And he knows that right now, if he doesn't get himself to a team that can utilize him and maximize his availability, he may never get that deal again. And he's right. He's probably never getting that deal again. He's going to walk into free agency after this year after making good coin, and I'll have a hard time finding $5 million. And that's just the reality. Maybe he can, he can play himself into a Leonard Fournette-type situation where there's two or three teams that really want him. He can get $7 million or $8 million out of it. Maybe. But probably not, especially if David Montgomery hits and Devil, Devin Singletary hits, right? Even Josh Jacobs, Daryl Henderson, Damian Harris. These guys all hit the market. Saquon Barkley for crummy things. These guys hit the open market. And I don't, I don't know why they would or wouldn't, excuse me. Now it's supply and demand. Well, there's six guys. We take any of them at this point. So who can we get at the lowest cost? You know, can we get David Montgomery at six? Yeah. Great. That's better than Kareem Hunt at seven because he's two years younger. So we got a ton of guys who can fill a smaller role and a very small amount of guys that can do everything and stay healthy, and they're age-appropriate. And if you're not that exact scenario, you're never getting to $10 million. You're definitely not getting to $15 million, and you're having a hard time getting to eight right now. Eight's like the... If you've gotten to eight, something's gone really, really right. And if you're at eight on a good, great team, you're a player. Leonard Fournette getting seven from Tampa Bay is flattering. That has to be flattering for him, seriously. And I, I know that's pathetic because, you know, we're at a $50 million threshold with, with the quarterbacks right now. And every other position is 16 to 20 for their tier, tier one. 
But 27-year-old Fournette getting $7 million from one of the best teams in football is a compliment. Just don't think that's happening with most of these guys. You know, Tony Pollard, he values as six right now because he's been suppressed. But is he getting eight? I don't know. I mean, this is a minimum salary guy right now who, yes, is going to walk into an RB1 role probably with Dallas. And Dallas has shown they'll pay most of these prominent positions. But there's no way they're going 15. They're not making that mistake again. Is he even getting eight, Tony Pollard, to take, take Zeke's place? I can't tell you right now with confidence that he is. That's the running back situation in the league. There's a lot of great players. And there are a lot of guys I didn't even mention here, but they're all on the list, right? Austin Eckler has continuously outplayed his contract. I mentioned Mixon. I feel like he's continuously outplayed his contract. He found himself before the Burrow era, really finding his sea legs. And then once that offense got built around him, instead of being swallowed by it, he complimented it. And I think that's going to really play out this, this year for us. What happens with the Baltimore situation, with the, with the J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards situation, where injuries have plagued them, and both are kind of limping into this year? With Lamar, right? It, it, so much uncertainty there, but the athleticism, the versatility, all three of those guys combined with Bateman, that could be a young, dynamic, crazy inexpensive core. That's what you're looking for. Doesn't always work out that way. So plenty of names here to look at. There's a lot of one and dones. There's a lot of guys on year to year where maybe they have two years, three years left on the contract, but none of it's guaranteed. So they're literally playing every year for next year's salary. And the team has total control. They can walk away from it at any point in time for a small dead cap hit and, and save considerably against their salary cap. And that's just how it's working right now. Even those, some of those big three, four-year extensions are one-year deals, and we'll see where it goes from there. And I expect more of that, unfortunately. That's the running backs in football right now. That's the 2022 money tiers section. Again, I've done the quarterbacks. I've done the wide receivers. I've done the running backs now. We're going to finish it off with tight ends this week. And then we'll be uh, on to the regular season and probably looking ahead to 2023 and some of those free agents and some of how those big decisions are coming for many of these roster spots as well. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year. And also, our good friends at Dynasty Owner have not gone away. It's still time. There's still plenty of time. Get in. Visit dynastyowner.com. Create your Dynasty Fantasy Football League using these NFL salaries and get going for the upcoming 2022 season. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 